All right, so I'm going to see how good y'all are today. So we have been talking about the Ten Commandments. One of my goals has been for you to be able to, to memorize or to know the Ten Commandments uh, and for you to be able to say them, okay? So for those who are in person, it's a little easier because those who are at home, I don't know whether you're, you're being honest or not, uh, but in person, we're going we're gonna to try it, all right? So uh, now here's a little hint on your cheat sheet. Thou shalt applies to all of them. So don't just start with have no other gods before me. It is thou shalt have no other gods before me uh, as we read number one. So let's see if y'all can get all ten. See how smart y'all are. Y'all look like a smart group. All right. All right. Let's try number one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. See, look, y'all are, I mean, y'all are getting good. Okay. Number two. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Number three, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Number four, thou shalt keep the Sabbath holy. Number five, thou shalt honor your father and mother. Number six, thou shalt not kill. Number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Number eight, thou shalt not steal. Number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And the one we're studying today, number 10, thou shalt not covet. Y'all give yourself a round of applause. Man, a remarkable uh, improvement. Uh, so uh, we, uh, we thank Randy and Judy Eck for picking up these bookmarks for us. Uh, take those home, continue to, to learn them, uh, and continue to take those at heart. And, and, and my whole premise has been throughout is, is these really are words given to us by a loving God who knows us, um, knows the tendencies that we have, created us, uh, and so offers us guidance uh, as we move about uh, in our life. And so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read the entire uh, commandment that is given to us. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17 says this, Do not desire and try to take your neighbor's house. Do not desire and try to take your neighbor's wife, male or female servant ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. And now, if you've got your Bibles open, flip uh, a little further into Mark. So in the New Testament, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Others, in verse 18, I'm sorry. Verse 18 says, Others are like the seeds scattered among the thorny plants. These are the ones who have heard the word. But the worries of this life, the false appeal of wealth and the desire for more things break in and choke the word, and it bears no fruit. And then if you'll flip a little further into the New Testament, look in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Don't be in debt to anyone except for the obligation to love each other. Whoever loves another person has fulfilled the law. The commandments, now note here he's talking about the commandments that we're studying. The commandments, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't desire what others have, that's the covet. And any other commandments are all summed up in one word. You must love your neighbor as yourself. Love doesn't do anything wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is what fulfills the law. 
This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of the, one of the blessings, and if you're not aware of this, one of the blessings of this church um, is a tremendous asset that we have with regards to people who have been married for a long period of time. Uh, we were in the office today, and I mean, this, well, last week, and Diane was talking about getting ready to celebrate their 20th wedding anniversary, right? And that's a big deal. I mean, it is. That's a big deal. In today's world, that, 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 that's a huge deal. Uh, we're going to be celebrating, I hope I have my numbers right, uh, we're going to be celebrating 33 uh, this year. Yay. Uh, so, but, but 33, compared to some of you, I mean, there are some of you that have been married over 60 years, um, and some of you have lost your spouse in, in, in the recent, uh, that would have fallen into that category. You were married uh, for 60 uh, some odd years. My parents celebrated uh, their 64th wedding anniversary uh, this past week. And, and, and I just say that to you for younger uh, people, uh, single people, uh, there's a tremendous asset that sits in many of our classrooms on Sunday mornings, which is uh, people who've been married for a long period of time that can give you great wisdom uh, if you will you'll talk to them and, and listen to them. Uh, I w- and I say that because I was reading a story uh, where a couple was celebrating their 80th wedding anniversary. Uh, yeah, 80 years. Uh, and so they asked the gentleman what his secret was. And of course, he joked like we would all probably joke as to what the secret was. But then he finally came down and he said this. He said, we just live with contentment. We don't live beyond our means. We just go with the flow. That's pretty good. Just go with the flow. We live within our means. We just live with contentment. Contentment is hard in our culture. It's hard to to be contented because we see so much. And when you think about the idea of not coveting, it seems as if the biblical answer to that is contentment. Now, there's, there's two Hebrew words that mean covet. Uh, the, wor- the first word is the word amad, and it's, it's basically the connotation of the strong desire for something that you're willing to do whatever it takes to be able to get it. Uh, so whatever action takes, whatever. And there can, be a, there can be good in that strong desire, right? So you can have ambition that you're willing to, to, to do in order to be able to accomplish a goal. But we all know there's a line that you can cross, right? So that ambition can turn negative when you're willing to, to hurt someone. You're willing to do something that crosses your ethics. And so it's this idea of a strong desire that you have. And that's one of the biblical words uh, that, that comes in Scripture for us. Uh, the second is the word Abba, and it's this connotation of craving. That not only do you have a strong desire, you have a craving, you have a longing for this. Now, the first time in Scripture that we see the word Ahmad um, comes to us early. So it's in Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3, and it's the story that we know of as the forbidden fruit. So Adam and Eve are placed in the Garden of Eden, and what does God tell them? God says, all of this is for you. Now, I want you all to think about that. Get up tomorrow morning and watch the sunrise and think about the fact that all of this is for you, God says. Everything. Everything is yours. I just don't want you to eat from one tree, God says to Adam and Eve. I just don't want you to eat from one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's my tree. That's my fruit. 
Now, what does Adam and Eve want to do? Y'all know the story. What do they want to do? They want to eat the tree. They want to eat the tree that God tells them not to eat from, right? We understand that story. The, the, servant, I mean, the, the serpent whispers in their ear and says, hey, wait a minute. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad fruit. In fact, it's probably good fruit. In fact, it's probably going to make you be more like God. And the reason that we can all relate to that, because we've all heard the whisper of the serpent, right? Don't, don't worry about that. You can go ahead and get that or take that. You'll experience and you'll be happier if you get it, in fact. Life will be much better if you get it. You'll experience so much more joy. We've all heard that whisper. We've all bought into that whisper. The psalmist in Psalm 19 writes this, helps us to see that the desire is not all bad. And it says in verse 19, verse 10, it says, they, meaning the precepts, the instructions that God gives us, the law that God gives us, they are more desirable than gold, than tons of pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, even dripping off the honeycomb. The psalmist says that, that the instructions are things that we can long for, they can, we can desire for. So that desire can be a good thing, and that's what we talked about, is that you know, I can covet prayers, right? Something happens in my family, and I covet the prayers of the people in the, in, in the church. That's something I long for. I long for you to pray for me. And so when you ask the church to pray, you can covet those prayers. That can be good, but we all know that we can cross that line. Maybe sometimes we're craving, sometimes we're looking, sometimes we're longing for something that we shouldn't have, that we don't need. And what is that? That is sin. When we crave, when we long for something that is not ours. And so God gives us this wisdom. God gives us this instruction in Exodus chapter 20. It says, do not desire and try to take your neighbor's house. Do not desire and try to take your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Now, there's so many examples in Scripture that we could spend a lot of time here if we really wanted to, but there's so many examples in Scripture of people who break this commandment. Uh, to me, the most well-known of this is the story of David. And so you, again, probably know that story. David is king and he is in his palace and he's on the top, the rooftop of his palace and his palace is taller than all the other houses. And so he's able to look upon his kingdom and he's able to see. Now the men are off fighting the battle for the king. And so as he's up there, he looks into one of the houses where the man has gone and the woman is there and she's bathing and all of a sudden he wants, he longs, he craves something that is not his. And so he tells his servants to go and bring Bathsheba to him. How that occurred, we don't necessarily know. Many scholars would say that this was um, a sexual assault. Uh, how, how she became pregnant, uh, uh, whether it was assault or, or complicit, we don't, we don't know that part of it. But we know that somehow she became pregnant. And in that story, his, his sin, his longing, his coveting had results. And so David had to decide, okay, I've got to, I've got to figure out how to get rid of this problem. And so he calls to the commanding forces and says, send Uriah the Hittite, which is Bathsheba's husband, back home because then I can help cover up 
my sin, up my longings. And so Uriah comes back, but he doesn't want to sleep with his wife because he says the men are still fighting and so I want to be loyal to them so I'm going to to not go and lay with my wife and he King David realizes he has a problem because now he can't so he writes a note he seals it up he sends it to Uriah says take this back to the commander-in-chief he opens up the note and it says put your eye on the front lines withdraw your forces and let him be killed and so that longing that craving moved into additional sin we can hear David's story and we can relate to that because we have all probably coveted and moved in to greed and other things. That's Ahmad. That's coveting. Desperately longing for something that doesn't belong to you. Something that's not yours. I think it's interesting when you look at the commandments. The first commandment is for us to have no other gods. And I told you that if you think about it from the Jewish perspective, our Jewish brothers and sisters say there's an actual another part of that commandment, which is this is Yah, that, that I am Yahweh. And it's this idea that God is the creator of everything. God is the sustainer of all things. And so in this commandment of love God, have no other gods before me, is this realization of your priorities and your perspective. And so scholars would look at the 10th commandment and say, okay, that's about loving God. The 10th commandment, not coveting is about priorities it's about accepting what god has given you and being content with what you have and i look at that and think wow you know that is loving god but the 10th commandment is loving people just loving who's in my life and loving what i have and so even just in those bookends, you see this concept of love God and love people and let them be the priority. If God is the focus of everything in our life, we make others the focus of everything in our life, then living out commandment two through eight or two through nine kind of makes sense, works out. Do not covet, the scripture says. We're supposed to be longing for God and not other things. In the Greek, in the New Testament, there's two words. Again, it's, the first one is pleonexia. That's the one I want us to think about this morning. It's the combination of two things, have and more. To have more. Constantly want more. Think about more. Getting more stuff. And it moves us into greed. Luke in chapter 12 says this. Jesus said to them, watch out. All of you, listen, watch out. Guard yourself against all kinds of greed. After all, one's life isn't determined by one's possessions. And the word for greed here is pleonexia. I think we forget sometimes that Jesus, when he's saying this, when he's saying that life is not determined by all of your possessions, he's talking to first century peasants who literally have nothing. Life's not determined by all of your possessions. And yet it speaks to us too, right? Life is not determined by all of your possessions. And yet we want more, we want to have more, and we live in a culture that makes it easy for us to have more, right? And how do I know that? Two words, Amazon Prime. Uh, <laughs> how many of you, how many of you have Amazon Prime? 
Like Prime Day's coming up, right? And so you're already looking and trying to figure out what the specials are that are going to be coming up in Prime Day so that we can get things quicker and we can get things faster. This is the myth that we live in today, and we have to acknowledge that, that that's the culture that we set. When Jesus is trying to teach us that life is not determined by all of your possessions, he gives a parable. And he gives a parable of the rich fool. And the rich fool is a, is a farmer who has grain, and has grain in his barn that is overwhelming. I mean, it's been a good year, been a good crop, and there's so much grain in his barn. What does he do with that grain? Now, he could, he could just eat a lot more. He could share that grain with people who don't have much grain. But what does he do in the parable? He builds a bigger barn right he builds a bigger barn and i thought about that story what is jesus teaching us how does that relate to us of building a bigger barn and again i thought about storage units how many of us we have a house but yet we have storage units to be able to accommodate more stuff or we have buy a house that it has a bigger basement so that we can store more stuff. We buy a house with three-car garage or four-car garage so that we can store more stuff. We're no different than the rich fool in the story. And then I would say that we actually compound it because how do we pay for it? Credit cards. The average person has over $10,000 in credit card debt. Now here's when I look at math, and y'all know I love math and statistics and numbers. Some of you don't have any credit card debt. But if we're taking the average person has $10,000 credit card debt, if we take away those of you who don't have credit card debt, start thinking about what the average credit card debt is for people who have credit card debt. It's a lot higher than $10,000. We've bought into this myth that we just buy more and have more. It's pleonexia. We graduate from school with student loan debts that we can't pay back. Car loans, we have, we continue in our, conver- in our family, we continue to talk about the, con- the possibility of me getting a new car without duct tape on it. And I know that would make all of y'all happy, but, uh, but you know, when we, when we started out, and y'all, some of you, it may even been, been earlier than that, but the, the most you could finance a car for was 36 months. And I was amazed when you started getting to where you could finance a car for 48 and 60 months. Nowadays, you can finance a car for for 84 months. That's seven years. Most of you don't keep a car for seven years. And so what happens is you you get rid of your car within that seven years, and you still owe money on it, so it rolls into the next car. And then you don't have that car for seven years, and you're ultimately paying for a car three or four different times. We bought into this concept. Scripture says it's pleonexia. It's coveting. It's greed. We have bought into the myth that we can just have that car. We can just have that house. We can just have that piece of clothing. We can just have that TV or that toy, whatever it may be, that somehow we're going to be happier. We're going to be more joyful. John Ortberg, one of a a really good author that has written several books, he, he says you have the opportunity to choose to live in two tents. Two. One is the tent of discontentment. Have more. Grass is always greener. I'll get something else and it'll make me happier. Or the tent of contentment. 
And you choose it. You get to decide. You have to decide what are those things that I can do, I can let go of, that I've got to make decisions for in order to be able to live in the tent of contentment. Paul tells to us in Philippians, I want you to remember he's writing from a prison cell when he says this. Look at what he says in Philippians 4. I have learned how to be content in any circumstance. I know the experience of being in need and of having more. So there's that of pleonexia, of having more than enough. I have learned the secret of being content in, every, in, in any and every circumstance, whether full or hungry, or whether having plenty or being poor. Augustine wrote this, as thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. We are created. I want everybody to pause for just a second and think about this. We are created in the image of God. We are created and we are his sheep that he places in the pasture. We are created by a God who knows us and sustains us. We are created by a God who loves us and wants the best for us. And yet we long for something else. We take our focus off. And when we do, we are constantly restless. And so Paul says he's learned the secret. Paul says he's learned the secret to being content. And then he goes on to say this in, verse four, in chapter, thir- chapter 4, verse 13. I can endure all things through the power of the one who gives me strength. That's Paul's advice to you. That's Paul's advice to me is to focus on the one who strengthens to focus on the one who sustains, to focus on the one who creates, to focus on God and to God alone in order to be able, that's the mentality, that's the mentality that Jesus says you can have that'll allow you to be able to say, okay, you know what, I don't have to worry about what I'm gonna eat, what I'm gonna wear, what I'm gonna drink, because Jesus says, if you seek after the kingdom of God, if you seek after God and you seek after God alone, all this other stuff, will be given to you. That God will give you what you need, not what you want. You've got to fix your eyes on God in order to be able to be content. And so when you watch Paul in Philippians and some of the other scriptures, how does he live that out? Well, I met a lady, I guess it was two weeks ago now, that kind of helped remind me. We went to Athens to the uh, ordination service and the commissioning service, got to watch Latham and Chad uh, be commissioned. And so we, we stayed at a hotel. We stayed, uh, Homewood Suites, I believe is the name of the hotel we stayed in. We got ready to check in. We go up to the counter uh, and there was a lady sitting behind the counter and I, I walk up and I said, you know, I'm here to check in. And she says, what's your name? And I said, Andrew Postel. She I have been waiting on you. And it took me back for a second. She goes, I was just telling somebody, I wondered when you would get here. And there was another lady that was sitting at the window next to her. She turned to her and goes, this is the guy that I was telling you about. And I was perplexed. (laughs) And so she asked me for my credit card and my driver's license. And I gave both of those to her. And she looked at it and she goes, yep, that's you. I am so excited that you are here. I didn't know what to say. 
I'm not speechless very often. I didn't know really what to say, and so I kind of walked off, and we got to the elevator, and Claire and, and Lydia and Cammie, they're like, did you know that woman? And I'm like, never seen her before in my life. And so then Latham, who was checking in a few minutes after us, Latham checked in and came up to our room and found us, and I said, did that? I told him that the experience that I had with this lady, and I said, did she? And he goes, yeah, she said the same thing to me. She responded the very same way. It was just, it was just odd. It was interesting. So we went about our day. We got ready to check out. The ladies were in the uh, cafeteria eating breakfast, and so I go get ready to check off, and there's Stephanie sitting at the counter when I, and so she, I go up to her to check out, and she's like, I am, I'm just so sad to see you leave. And, and she's like, I really just am going to miss you, and I, I can't wait till we get to see each other again. And I, I didn't really, again, know what to say, so I stopped, and I, so I told her, I said, I, I just, this is the preacher part of me. I said, okay, so I have to kind of know. I said, I'm, I'm a preacher. And I said, and, and your encouragement, your, your hospitality intrigues me. Why do, you, why do you do what you do? I mean, I don't remember how I phrased it. Uh, and she told me, she said, I wake up every day. And she said, and I pray for God to, to locate within me all of the kindness and all of the compassion that I can have for every single person that I meet. Wow. Yeah. She said, I, I want to surprise every person with a compliment. And then she went on to say, she said, you know, I, I think about the people who are coming into my hotel. And she said, and I know that for some people, they got to save up money. To be able to come here and she goes and I want them to feel special and she goes and I have found it to be extremely contagious and let me tell you it was I felt special people people can know whether you love them people can tell whether you really want them to be here, to be in your life. See, Paul, what she reminded me, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to challenge you with the word of God. And Stephanie challenged me because what Stephanie reminded me was she focused on the other person. And that's what Paul learned was the secret to contentment, was to focus on the other person. When somebody walks in the door that's new in this place. Do you act like Stephanie? Do you go out of your way to compliment them? Do you go out of your way to make them feel special? Do you go out of your way to make them feel welcome? Well, let's be honest. Do you sit in your pew and talk to the very same person that you're going to go sit and talk to in your Sunday school class? Paul says that the secret to joy and contentment in life is to begin to focus on other people. Think about what you can do to be able to let the world know that Christ is in your heart and that you are content. We were up here yesterday working. Uh, Lydia was helping the, the Dominican Republic mission team with the concession stand on the soccer field. And so I was just up here kind of getting things ready and thinking through the service and um, somebody pulled on that door right out there and 
So I walked out to them and can I help you? And they said, can we go to, the, can we use your restroom? Now, if you've ever been here on soccer, you know we have the restrooms down in the fellowship hall that are open. But in that moment, I thought, okay, now I can either say to this gentleman, you can go to the bathroom, back of the building and go into the restrooms down there, or I can let you use the restroom that's right here. And so I let him in, he used the restroom, I came back. A few minutes later, another person came to the door. I went and said, can I help you? And they said, can I use your restroom? And so they came in and used the restroom. When they got ready to leave, they walked out, both of them, by the way. They walked out to their car to get their family or to leave with their family. Anybody want to guess where both of them were parked? In the six spaces that I had you pray for last week. And what it made me think about was, what would it look like if one of you, two of you, three of you, four of you said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to make it about other people. And so we're going to be here to open up our lobby on soccer days when soccer opens so that those who are in the upper parking lot have a restroom to be able to use. If we're going to pray for those parking spaces, we're going to pray for hospitality for people, we got to respond, right? And so I just invite you to think about how do you make it about other people? Because making it about other people allows you to be more content in life, which then allows you to be able to fight the tendency that God says that we're going to have, which is to covet, to have greed in our life. Don't covet. Don't buy into the myth that we just want more. I invite you to think about the story of Stephanie. Focus on other people. Look for ways to surprise people with compliments. Locate all of the kindness and compassion that God has for every single person you meet. Look for a way to be able to make life about other people, and you will find your life is much more content. Amen? I invite you, if you're able this morning, if you would stand and join me as we have an opportunity to pray the Lord's Prayer. Would you pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.